our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hey, Sim, how are you going this week? Hi, Sonia. I am so good. I saw this TikTok and I really want to talk about it. So I was just scrolling on TikTok and I saw this video of this woman and her boyfriend, I need to stress it was boyfriend, not husband, was recording her and they were in a home and he was like, hey babe, like I bought this house for us. And she was like so distraught and she was distraught for good reason because he bought it without asking her. And the crazy part is, is she was like screaming at the camera and she was like, that was 75% my money in the deposit. So he only chucked in 25%, took 75% of her money and put his name on a house and she was like I need like this is not okay like you can't just buy a home without me this is probably the most frustrating behavior I've ever seen but he was like but look at this kitchen it's so nice so like look at this backyard it's so great it's like deflecting the fact that you've bought a home without your partner knowing and then being like aren't you grateful that boils my blood that makes me so mad Is that not your worst nightmare? That is my worst nightmare. First of all, to be in a position where I'm in a joint account with someone. (laughs) But if anyone is listening to this and they have like ideas in their brain of, hey, maybe I should gift my partner a house. Don't do that. He genuinely is standing there recording and thinking to himself, wow, look at this nice thing that I've done with my girlfriend's money and she's supposed to take it graciously as a gift. He's the kind of man to jump on Twitter and be like, women aren't grateful. Like, I feel like it went over his head so badly and it stresses me out because she was so like, oh my God, how could you do this? The funny thing is the realtor was in the house with them. So there's this man just standing there observing all of this. And then she like leaves and she's like, get my deposit back. And he like talks to the realtor and the realtor's like, man, I'm sorry, like you've signed. And he's like, yeah. And he like runs outside and he's like, the realtor said we can't get the money back. And I'm like, oh my God. Is that satire or is it real? I have a feeling that this possibly could be a joke but I was like looking through it and it's not a parody account it's a real account and so I'm just I'm stressed 
I'm stressed. And this is the exact reason I've gone off social media. I do not think it's normal to be happy one second you scroll, you're angry. And then now I'm going to be thinking about that woman for the rest of the week, probably. Prayers go out to you. If you're listening in and you are this person, reach out and we will help. Now, before we begin, we want to take a moment to thank our season sponsor for powering this week's episode. Are you ready to take control of your financial future and you don't know where to begin? Meet Perla, the Aussie investing platform that makes it easy for anyone to invest in the stock market and build a sensible, diversified portfolio. With Perla, you can start investing with as little as $5. Perla's unique community-driven experience guides you through the process of selecting your investment goals, creating a portfolio tailored to your needs and tracking your progress over time. One of the things that we love most about Perla is their commitment to financial education. Perla commits to empowering investors through tools like template portfolios with access to easier investing and supportive community connections. Perla also offers great insight and data that help pave the way for equitable investing. Their research finds women are investing more of their income than men and more women invest on their platform than men. Perla also walks the walk with open pay transparency to help facilitate open conversations about wage, roles and opportunities within the financial industry. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all the options, Perla's platform is intuitive and easy to use with powerful tools that give you control over your investments. You can track your portfolio's performance, set up automatic investments and even invite friends and family to invest alongside you. Don't wait to start building your financial future. Check out Perla.com today and start investing in your goals. This week, Sonia, we are talking about spending money, but we're talking about spending your money and more importantly, what it's like moving countries and what costs are associated. I think we've lived in a time where everyone's been cooped up for a long time, thanks to COVID and the pandemic in general. And we're starting to, you know, taste a little bit of freedom. We're starting to go, gosh, I have lived in the same city for like three years. Help get me out. So we're <laughs> we're interested to hear the financials around moving countries because as an immigrant, all I've heard is just my parents being like, we moved to this country with $20 in our pockets. And that to me made it seem like it was free to move countries. And you have had a slightly different experience. So I'm very excited to hear you just break down and give us real numbers. So thank you so much for doing this today. I don't know why, but every time we do an episode like this, I get unnecessarily nervous, but I am so prepared to give you all the numbers, be super vulnerable. I have made a ton of mistakes that you can learn from in this process as well. So let's go. Well, first things first, I tried to do a little bit of research before just to like get a rough idea. And it was so unhelpful because online it was like to move countries, it can cost between 1000 to 10000 US dollars. And I was like, which one is it? Because that is very different. <laughs> first of all, before I go into the numbers and my tips and advice, I do just want to say that I come from a position of privilege. When I was planning out this move, I didn't have to think of a partner I didn't have to think of dependents. I didn't have pets. I was living in my family home with a full-time job, plus I was doing Girls That Invest. So it put me in a position where I could 
start planning my move abroad very freely and it didn't escape me how lucky I was because I legit researched a few different countries that I could have moved to and I just remember thinking the whole time like wow I can literally choose wherever and I can move there. Isn't that so cool? Did you choose the country that you moved to based on like financials? Were you like oh it might be more costly to go to like the UK or like was that ever a part of it or was it like no I want to go here and now work out the money? I think it was the latter. So I want to go here and I'll work out the money. I think living in Auckland, New Zealand, where living costs are very high, everything in general is super expensive. I wasn't too worried about living costs somewhere else because it either matched where we were or it was a little bit cheaper. The reason I chose Canada is because New Zealand and Canada have a great like working holiday program, an agreement between two countries, and it was super easy to get a visa. And two, I've never moved overseas before. And I think Canada and New Zealand, even like the UK, very similar countries. I don't think I've experienced any culture shock so far. Street names are very familiar. You know, there's a Wellington Street and like there's a Hamilton and there's London in this province as well, thanks to colonization. So, yeah. It's like the same, same, same. Yeah. Topic for another day. (laughs) Definitely. I wanted to ask you, so let's say you're like, okay, I want to move countries. Is there a cost just being like, I want to look into it or a cost of like, I want to apply for a visa? (laughs) The answer is yes. So step one, decide what country you're going to move to. Step two, look at visa costs because for me, it costs $415.95 to apply for this visa. To apply? Yeah, it's called the IEC visa, the International Experience Canada visa. And $161 of that was the IEC participation fee. (laughs) Then there was $100 for the open work permit holder. And then $85 was for biometrics. So it was around 346 Canadian dollars to even apply. So you don't know if you're guaranteed this visa or not. You could be declined for whatever reason and you kind of have to be okay with that. And that converted to $415.95 NZD at the time. That is wild to me. The idea that you have to pay like a solid couple of hundred dollars to even apply to leave the country I just assumed it would be free. Like, why does it cost so much? I honestly think it's because labor is involved. So there is an immigration officer going through your application. You go get your biometrics done, which is just like your fingerprints and a photo to send off to them just in case, you know, criminal activity and all of that. And there are people behind each stage processing these things for you. But yeah, it is very, very expensive. That makes sense. I did not factor that in. So is there any other cost that you have to like take into account before you even, let's say you're like accepted, they're like, fine, we'll let you in. Thanks for the $500. Do you have to pay anything before you leave? Obviously, besides like the price of the flights themselves. Yeah. So a requirement for me as an IEC holder or participant, if you will, I had to show that I had two years worth of health insurance off the bat. So I had to purchase that before leaving. I also had to show that I had a certain amount in my savings for the border. So I think for IEC, it is at least 
2000 to 3000 Canadian dollars to say, hey, I can support myself if I'm not going to be employed straight away or if I'm not employed right now and I'm trying to find a job. They just want to know that you can kind of take care of yourself. And so those two costs besides flights, I had to fork out before even landing in Canada for the first time. And then how much were flights? Because those were not cheap. And it was one way. So my one way flights from Auckland, New Zealand to Toronto, Canada with an LA layover, it was with Air New Zealand. It was $1,244.60 one way. And that's New Zealand dollars. In terms of my health insurance, it was (laughs) $1,534.85 New Zealand dollars. And Guys, I made a really dumb mistake when I bought my health insurance. What happened? So I think it was like the final few weeks leading up to moving and I was a mess and I just really wanted to get health insurance and it was like the one thing that was really bugging me. I was like, crap, I really have to do this. So I just bought it. I went on to Best Quote and I bought the first health insurance that I saw. I'm sure there's ways to go about it cheaper. But I made the mistake of paying for a full 24 months without realizing that the agreement New Zealand and Canada have for this visa is actually 23 months. So I paid for a full month of health insurance that I don't really need because I have to get out of the country (laughs) in 23 months, not 24 months. And I actually reached out to them like because we went through Border Patrol immigration. And mind you, the lady was so lovely. She didn't even check any documents. And I had like a hundred pieces of paper with me. Like, I am ready to be in this country. And she kind of just like took our passports and was like, Welcome to Canada, which is fair enough. It's fair enough. I emailed them and I was like, Hey, we just got our visa stamped for like 23 months, not 24. Is there a way that, you know, I could get some money back or whatever? They essentially were like, sorry, no, the policy is already in effect and you should read your T's and C's. And that was really jarring for me to read because I come from an insurance background and I was like, this is so embarrassing. I'm just going to keep it to myself and just share it with nearly 100,000 of you. You didn't even tell me this. You must have been so ashamed. Please learn from me. (laughs) Don't do that. Sonia worked in health insurance. (laughs) I was so ashamed. (laughs) I still am. It's like one of the things that, you know, when you have those embarrassing moments that you reflect on and you kind of flinch. Like the cringe. It's one of those moments. I am sorry to hear. So we've kind of spent a little bit of money already. We've got the insurance. We've got the flights. We've got the like rip off of the visas. (laughs) Did you have to pay for like anything in terms of packing? Did you have to buy extra suitcases? Did you pay for like extra bags? Yeah. So I didn't have to pay to get anything sent over, but I did pay $150 New Zealand to take an extra bag because the flight price only included one 30 kg bag. And as much as I tried to downsize and declutter, I had two bags. Mind you, it was like a little bag that I had to check in. So that was one extra cost. But I think that in speaking in general, if you're moving your whole life over there, you want to ship furniture, you want to pay for that shipping. And if you're moving a pet over, definitely do a little bit of research in terms of the airline and what you want to do in terms of where you want to go. I think that could easily lead up to a grand. 
oh, probably over. Yeah. And then you've also got to take into account like the hiring storage space if you like move over and haven't got a place to live to like put all that furniture. I have to say in 2022 or 2023, it's almost like deranged to me the idea of shipping furniture over. I'm like, if I'm moving, I'm just selling everything and I'm starting again. Like there is nothing I love or there's nothing I own that is like a hand-me-down. And so just let me get an Ikea set. Like it's going to be okay. That's what I mean. Like I think a lot of things that I did, like the low by year and just assessing in terms of meaningful spending, like it allowed me to go through this process of letting go things that – I didn't necessarily need. So the decluttering before moving, it wasn't that stressful for me. In fact, it was kind of therapeutic. And I had like a peace of mind, like, wow, I would literally get to start again, you know? That makes sense. What would you say was the biggest expense that you had moving over? Like before even? Oh, like in the whole process? The whole process, I think it was the Airbnb that we had for the first month of being in Toronto. So for those of you who don't know, I actually moved with a friend who wanted to move overseas as well. So I didn't do it all alone. And it made the entire process a lot easier and cheaper because you're doing it with the roommate. So shout out to Ina, big love. But for the researcher that I am, like I get stuck in analysis paralysis a lot because I just mull over the right decision to be making. And We did not look at the weekend that we were landing in Toronto. So it was Caribbean weekend. Everything was booked out. We booked like a hotel for two days and then we booked an Airbnb for a month. The hotel for two days was like 800 NZD. And then the Airbnb was like four and a half grand for a month. And can I just say... There is no hate to this Airbnb owner. He is doing very well. I think that entire complex was Airbnbs. But we paid four and a half grand to live in a basement apartment with one room. The lighting was awful. I had no like sunlight for a month. We were out of there all the time. Like there wasn't a point where we were in that Airbnb for longer than like, I would say eight hours, except to sleep because. That was not fun or fresh, and we paid an extraordinary amount of money to be there. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. You said two of you, one bedroom. Where did you sleep? I slept on the couch. It was a really comfy couch, I will say that. You slept on a couch for $4,000 for a month? 
See, this is a side of like moving countries people don't speak about. And you see the TikToks and you get like FOMO and it's like moving countries day or no one's ever said that. It's like (laughs) moving into my new apartment day or like I'm so excited for my visa. And then when they have to sleep on a couch with a grand, like we don't show that side. So I really do appreciate you breaking that down because it will stop other people from just like having false ideas of what moving looks like. A hundred percent. I think with any social media, you are seeing the highlight reel of someone's travel and time in a different country. You did not see my basement Airbnb on my socials. Mind you, I wasn't even posting, which I had a problem with, but that's neither here or there. I think, again, that's a mistake that you can learn from because just do a little bit of research, see where you can stay, see what you can do in terms of getting it cheaper. One of the friends that I met here, she is actually just house sitting at the moment. And so she got a house sit for like a month and then she has another house sit for like two months. It's a website that you can go on and you create a verified profile of yourself. And these people let you stay in their house for free because you usually have to cat sit or pet sit and take care of their house for the month. But in exchange, you get free accommodation for a length of time. So that's something I would definitely look into if I was doing this all over again. And I just didn't even know that option existed. You know, it's such a white option. (laughs) Also, like I would say a somewhat privileged option. Like I feel like as a guy, you're probably more likely to do those things and not worry about like safety God, the things that we do for like rent and accommodation, would you say that the house like renting or like finding an apartment had any extra costs or was that pretty straightforward? Again, like I thought I was doing good in terms of researching the apartments beforehand and what the rental market was like in Toronto, but I feel like no amount of research could have prepared me for what was. And The Toronto rental market when we entered, it was crazy. It was such a stressful experience. I did not have a good time. It was only in hindsight where I realized there were a few moments here and there and I like took it as a learning experience because I was like, there's no way that we are extending our stay in this basement Airbnb for a few grand. And it was in September, people were going back to uni. The demand was so high, supply was low. People were only accepting if you had like three months or six months of like rent to pay up front in their offers because there was like 20 people going for one apartment and it was just a crazy, crazy time. Thankfully, we managed to find something that was all through like research on my own. We were working with a realtor, but I ended up just applying for a place and finding it and they accepted it, which was fab. And now... I love the apartment we're in. I love the area that we're in. I couldn't be more happy with the location. You've really lucked out. It is so beautiful. I was like very lucky to stay with Sonia there for three weeks. And I think all the pain and like money spent to like get to that place, I would say was worth it. Would you find that there were other large like costs that you had once you were in Canada or just other costs that you had in general? Absolutely. Now, remember what I said before in terms of, wow, I get to start over. I wasn't really thinking about the psychological damage that seeing your savings account go down, down, down would do because, yes, Simran, there were a lot of high costs. For example, I paid for a mattress and a bed. (laughs) bed frame and it was probably like 1000 
500 to 1,800 New Zealand dollars. And that's because I do not take my sleep lightly. I was so happy with that mattress and I do love it, but that was really expensive. In general, just furnishing a home is very expensive. I have no idea how our parents did it, but I think it goes to show that when I was looking at TikToks, when I was looking at Instagram of people who had been moving overseas, I was seeing people in their apartments for like six months to a year. And I was like comparing my God, it's been like two weeks. It's been a month. Why don't we have a couch yet? Why don't we have a TV yet? Why don't we have chairs and all of these things? And I was really starting to be like, do I even need those things? I can sit on the floor because this is so expensive on one hand. And then the other hand, I was like, why am I not there yet? And that just puts you in a very unhealthy mindset. It also speaks, I think, to our like instantaneous like nature where like, we're like, why aren't we there yet? And it's like, it's obvious we, why we aren't there yet. You've just moved countries. Like there's all these other expenses and we're comparing our homes to a home of someone that's lived there for like 30 years. Like, are we kidding ourselves? Like it's not going to have the same decor and the same warmth that a long-term home has built up. Yeah. And I also feel like for me, it's still very much a temporary move. I plan to be here for the 23 months, but I don't know if I will extend it. And forking out like pieces of furniture that are very expensive, it's just not worth it to me. And finding cheaper alternatives, it does mean that you need to spend a little bit more time, a little bit more energy in finding that alternative. But yeah. If you could give us a number, how much do you think you've spent on furniture so far? Including my bed, including the bed frame, I would probably say two and a half K, like not too much. Canadian? Two and a half K New Zealand so far. And that's because I've had no energy into furnishing this place because I've been working throughout and like kind of dealing with other things, but it's not that much. There's still a lot of things that we need, but I think everything included, utensils, plates, mugs cleaning supplies like a vacuum and stuff I think it would all be 2k we have yet to buy a couch I thought you were gonna get a couch on Black Friday I thought so too I just got very overwhelmed (laughs) so uh we haven't gotten a couch yet we do have a seating arrangement we do have like a nice little tv set up but that's because Ina's boyfriend gave us that tv for a while yeah look I'm still couchless but I have a bed so who can complain Who can complain? I think one of the things that like I appreciate of you sharing this is like, I don't think a lot of people are going to be like, oh yeah, I don't have a couch and that's okay. But I'm glad that we're like moving away. Like what's normal, you know, (laughs) (laughs) from societal norms. Like why do we need to have like all of these seating options? You know, you have a bed, you have a dining table and you have a desk and a chair. I have two benches. Yeah, exactly. So that's enough for now. No, I don't think that's enough. I think we need to work out the monopoly that the couching (laughs) industry has on all of us. (laughs) I think for me, one thing that I am grateful for is that I've realized that I can live without a lot of things. Like my patience is sky high right now in terms of making this place a home. Because again, just my money, it's going all the time. (laughs) And then just very quickly, I think people don't factor this into account because I didn't until you told me. 
when you first moved, you obviously didn't have like a stable place to stay or even like when you've moved into the apartment of your own, it wasn't like you had the time and energy to like cook home cooked meals, to have the time and energy to like sort out transportation and stuff. So how much did you spend on like ready-made meals, eating out, taking Ubers? Like, do you have a rough idea? Probably two to three K, honestly. That is a lot of money and it is in New Zealand dollars, but it adds up very quickly. Like we didn't have friends with cars at the time. So in terms of moving, in terms of getting really large Walmart orders, in terms of doing everything to set up properly, we did Uber a lot. It pains me to go back and look at those Uber rides for convenience and just because we didn't know where to go. Also like figuring out the TTC, which is the transport system here. I just didn't have energy. We were going to like five to six different apartment viewings a day in August and it was just like so stressful and we also had to be ready for really late minute viewings that just with the time and figuring it out and where our Airbnb was, it was a little bit further out of the way in terms of where downtown Toronto is. Our basement apartment didn't have like a proper kitchen in terms of to cook as well. So we were eating out basically for every meal. If we weren't eating out, we weren't eating because we would just get wrapped up in the day or work or apartment hunting. And we didn't even realize until night we would Uber eat something and be like, oh my gosh, we need to get better at this tomorrow. And then it just repeats. So yeah, that's another learn. Learn from me when you're looking at Airbnbs, especially for an extended period of time, just make sure they have like a kitchen. Sonia like almost didn't get an apartment in the second month and so she had the thought of possibly needing to have an Airbnb for the second month and I just saw like the entire life drain out of her eyes. She was just like I might need to live (laughs) in an Airbnb for another month and continue this and I just have so many regrets right now. I am not gonna lie I was not a great colleague. I was not a great friend. I was not a great person to be around in that time frame because it was a tiredness that I couldn't explain. I was just so fatigued with it all. I was at the point of like, wow, I've moved countries. This is so exciting. I'm with a friend. We've gone to the CN Tower. We've seen the aquarium. To I do not want to look at an apartment website or an apartment listing ever again in my life. So Sonia is not going into a realtor (laughs) business anytime soon? Absolutely. I first of all appreciate the honesty with everything that you've shared because this is really helpful even for someone like myself that like I said I thought moving countries was like the $20 our parents would talk about in their pocket the idea that it was so much more is mind-boggling but just for those listening do you mind quickly summarizing all the costs that you had to take into account when you moved countries absolutely so I had to pay for my visa Mm-hmm. which was $415.95 New Zealand. I had to pay for health insurance, which was $1,534.85 New Zealand. <laughs> I had to pay for a one-way flight to Canada, which was $1,244.60. Again, these are all in New Zealand dollars. And $150 on top of that for extra luggage. And just in terms of like the process of moving in, having money in my savings account, 
I would round it up to five to six K New Zealand. We had to pay first and last month's rent to move into this place, which was gracious compared to a lot of other places that we had seen. And I think, again, I just want to say it is a lot of money. There are definitely ways that I could have done things a whole lot cheaper. And I take that as learns and I hope you will too. But also coming from a position of privilege where I didn't have to think about kids, where I didn't have to think about pets, where I didn't have to think about moving like an entire furnished home overseas. I think what I had to think about was myself and that's all I was responsible for at the end of the day. So. Yeah. Also huge shout out. I got to do GTI as I was moving while I was there. So I also had income as I was moving. I didn't have to go through the process of finding a job straight away or dealing with the job market on top of moving overseas. So again, super grateful, super privileged. I can't even explain how lucky I am in terms of this entire process. I think if you were moving countries, something I would be hyper aware of is just living costs at the moment in that city that you're wanting to move to. I live in Toronto, Canada. Toronto is notorious for living costs. You try to do things cheaply and it's really hard to do. A lot of people are moving out of Toronto. I'm still in that. Oh my God, I freaking love the city. I'm so new. I'm exploring. And I definitely know that there are very big, deep living issues here and it's highlighted on the news constantly. So yeah, luckiest girl ever, really. And so I guess at the start of this episode, I was kind of debating like, you know, people say when you move countries, sometimes it's 1,000, sometimes it's 10,000. I'm guessing for majority of people moving to countries like Canada, like the States and probably like the UK as well, you're looking at like 10 grand just to be safe. A hundred percent. I think if you have 10 grand as a safety net of moving overseas that might sound like an extraordinary amount again there's like ways to do things cheaper I think it just gives you a peace of mind and a really good safety net to start your life overseas well that's probably a good place to wrap it up but it's been super insightful so thank you so much for sharing all these numbers the thing with Sonia is like she is so well organized so to have someone break it down has probably saved all of us like countless weeks of trying to research this all on our own so we really do appreciate it if you enjoy this episode or you know someone moving definitely send this to them it would be super helpful share on your story tag us it's the best way to spread the word and we'll see you next week until next time Sonia till next time Sim bye bye and as always to finish off with our disclaimer girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances always do your research and please use your due diligence